You're listening to the Soul Source Podcast. I'm your host, Raquel Amell. Soul Source exists to share stories that are shaping our world today. We're going straight to the source of information to give you the best insights on topics and show you what's being done about these issues, as well as ways that you can help to make a difference. We're bringing you experts in healthcare, gender issues, race relations, cultural shifts, and so much more. So buckle up, Soul Source Society, because we're just getting started. It, it's very important for, for people to follow through the same that they would in the case that this wasn't here. Thank you all for being here with me today. I'm Raquel Amel, host of Soul Source. And today we're talking about a topic that has already and continues to still every day influence so many people, family, friends, neighbors. I'm joined today by Clint Mickey. He's with Klein and Hanson Funeral Home and Cremation Services in New London, Wisconsin. Clint, I want to thank you for being here today. Thanks, Raquel. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. And I know we're talking about a topic that it's not so fun. It's definitely not the most exciting topic, but it is real. And it is a very difficult thing that people are dealing with right now. So many people are losing loved ones while under social distancing and stay at home orders here with COVID-19. What is the one piece of advice that you have for people right now who are dealing with loss during this difficult time? To allow yourself to grieve. I think we all are dealing with loss and, and, and here at the funeral home, the traditional sense of a loss of a loved one, uh, but in so many other ways, loss uh, of a job, uh, being laid off, um, however that may look, uh, but it's all, all grief. Um, so I think that is is point number one to make is is that we allow ourselves to grieve. Uh, we don't be too hard on ourselves uh, during this time. That can be really hard to do grieving, especially not in the normal way that um, people are used to, because with the lack of gatherings in place right now, the hardest part um, is just not having that physical interaction at a funeral home. That's a big part of what you guys do is having that physical interaction. So how have social distancing restrictions impacted the way that you guys are doing business right now? Certainly things have changed here um, at the funeral home. Uh, we're doing our best to accommodate and, and not let this affect families um, uh, and, and have them feel the burden of, of what we are, the pandemic is, is bringing on for all of us. Um, of course, we need to follow CDC guidelines, uh, which is a big change for us. Um, the, the 10 person, uh, social gathering limit, um, social distancing, which certainly doesn't allow for a lot of physical contact, which is important at times like these, um, certainly trying to keep uh, a lot of our same practices in place. Um, however, we aren't able to sit down with families and make arrangements, uh, and, uh, actually host, uh, funerals the way that we did. So um, again, trying to make families feel as comfortable as possible during these times, following the guidelines of the CDC and uh, the state mandates. And, and that's, I guess, the next question I have for you is, is there a certain like set of restrictions you were given by the CDC that you're required to follow? Or have you guys just kind of put in place those restrictions on your own? Things changed so rapidly um, when this first started, and it literally was hour to hour. Uh, I was with a family making arrangements, and in the beginning of the arrangement, we were able to have 50 people at a funeral. Uh, by the end of the arrangement, two hours later, governor had already uh, implemented the 10-person the uh, limit of, of gathering. So with that said, we certainly are following the CDC uh, guidelines uh, here at the funeral home. 
things changed very rapidly here um, during uh, the beginning of this pandemic uh, as far as orders go and those types of things. Um, so uh, for going from the 50-person gathering limit to the 10-person, um, we, we have to make changes. And though we are an essential business, we're not exempt from, from following the rules of, uh, of the, the CDC. Of course, again, those are guidelines, what uh, the government mandates as well. Makes complete sense. It's all to keep people safe, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so when you talked about funerals, you said you weren't able to hold them in the traditional sense. What does that look like right now? Is a funeral, can people have a funeral? How is that working? So what we're doing is uh, we're encouraging people to think outside the box. We're thinking outside the box. So how is this looking? And, and what we've done is certainly important that we give families the opportunity to have uh, quiet time and personal time with their loved one. And so whether we set up different meeting times that different parts of the family come in and we stay under that uh, limit of 10 people um, is one option. Otherwise, still continuing to hold the funeral with the pastor, perhaps a, a pianist or a soloist, and then just using different platforms. Uh, for the funeral profession, a lot of these are new. Uh, so Zoom um, certainly has has come into play. And um more or less allowing the families to privately invite those that they want to join this media, uh, to this funeral, I should say, um, to be able to participate. It's not ideal by any means, but with the circumstances we're currently in, it's the best that we, the best that we can do to offer some closure. And do you find that that has been helping? I mean, have you heard any feedback from anybody, this, the, the, the virtual, virtual funerals, has that been helping people? It It is sufficing. No way, shape, or form what we do is so much um, with, with people, um, the contact, the hugging, being present, the touching. And so with that, I, like I mentioned, it's sufficing, but it's not going to replace, it's not going to replace attending a funeral by any means, way, way shape, or form. Um, what I am encouraging a lot of families to do is to host a a meeting, more or less, or a funeral, uh, to give them some immediate closure, if you will, but to still follow through in the future when this all passes, um, that uh, they get together as a family, whether that be here at the funeral home, or they meet at a park, or they do something formally at the church, but that they have some type of memorial service, celebration of life, committal, closure, fellowship, whatever that may mean to them um, or look like. Um, I just, I find as though that is, that's really important and crucial in the uh, upcoming upcoming weeks, months, years, however this looks for us. Yeah, that's such such good advice. And I'm gonna wanna touch on that, but I do wanna ask you, I, I am curious, is have you ever seen, or any of your coworkers even ever seen something like this before? This is such a change for the way things are normally done. Absolutely not. So I am speaking on myself here in the Fox Valley, and I think even for a lot of funeral directors in the state of Wisconsin, we, we haven't seen anything close to this. Um, I've served on some boards for the county in which we implement plans uh, for pandemics, for mass casualties. And so it's something that certainly has been discussed and talked about. Again, personally, my associates and I, and I, I would have to vouch for a lot of us, uh, haven't seen anything um, to this extent. And, and what I'm actually relating this to is what's happening out in uh, New York. Um, I actually 
into a segment yesterday from a funeral director out uh, in New York City, um, small firm, and receiving the the number of calls in two weeks that he would receive over the year. It's just it's devastating, and and he went so far as to say we thought this was we didn't know what to expect. Um, not only is it a hundred times worse than what we anticipated, it's a thousand times worse. And so it's it's those areas that are are really, really being affected. And so if you ask them, they would have a completely different answer than myself, more or less say that it has changed in the small ways. Again, using Zoom, not personally being able to meet with a family, uh, to make decisions, to physically have a funeral. But this all passed in comparison to what uh, what they're experiencing out east um, and in some of these other hot spots that are, are throughout the country. For you guys as funeral directors, I mean, it's a hard job. I commend you for what you do because that is a very hard job. You're seeing people at sometimes their worst moments of their life, potentially. And to, to do that job now with this layered on top of it, how are you guys coping with that? We, uh, we're funeral directors. This is what we do. Um, we serve. And so um, I've always said there's there's a, a, a fine line that we need to walk with with accomplishing uh, what we need to accomplish with our families to serve our families uh, without it becoming too personal and uh, taking it home. Um, and then it goes so far as to be using you know proper um, PPEs and um, um, again following uh, the right protocol when we're in houses making transfers in nursing homes hospitals uh, doing preparation work all of those things that uh, potentially could expose us to the covid it is crazy crazy times and we talked a little bit about the grieving process and what that looks like but for right now if if somebody loses somebody what is in your opinion the best way to try to um, remember that person, honor that person's life while still maintaining those social distancing practices that we have in place today. You know, Raquel, I'm really encouraging families to to follow through and, and let's handle this as we would as if the pandemic wasn't here. So the social distancing is putting um, a divide and it's putting a challenge in, in this big picture. But that doesn't take away from the arrangements that we make, the decisions that need to be made. Um, Those are just as important to a family, to an individual, to a grieving person uh, in the process. And the point being is at the end of the day, we can still make those decisions. Though it may not be a face-to-face conversation, they still, to pick a day and a time for a funeral, to look at pictures and put together picture boards, to uh, go through photo albums, to pick out memorial cards and verses. Um, those are all meaningful things that are part of this process. It, it's very important for, for people to follow through the same that they would in the case that this wasn't here. And taking it a step farther, if you're a friend of a family or um, uh, an extended uh, family member, um, a coworker, handle it the same way. Send, send a sympathy card, send a text message, do all those things, a bouquet of flowers, you can still do those things, and they're just as meaningful as if you know you were standing next to the person, that type of thing. So I think it's really important that we don't lose that that connection with people, even though there is a six foot distance uh, technically. I think that's such good advice: is trying to keep it as normal as possible. And one of the other pieces too, when you talk about losing the not losing the connection, is 
the physical piece. I mean, a big part of a funeral is the hugging, is the embraces, is physically seeing and touching people. And that's how a lot of people show support. How are you helping people or how important, I guess, is it that physical piece? And then how do people get around that to still process the grief? It, it is, it's, it's extremely important and we're seeing it now. I don't think any of us ever realized how important uh, physical touch was and, and closeness um, from, again, you know, hugging, hugging a loved one, uh, your mom, your sister, uh, your husband, your wife, and even the, the distancing and the connection perhaps that at a grocery store that we just always took for granted. It's a really, and it, it, there's studies on it. It's biological. It goes further than, you know, the, the, just the, the touch itself, but it's really innate. There's something, you know, as far as the release of endorphins and, and those types of things. So I, I don't necessarily know that there is a substitute for, for the physical contact. But again, I, I think we need to still follow through with those things that are really important and, and showing our support to a family um, during this time in, in alternate ways. Um, it is, it's challenging for all of us, but I think this just keeps kind of reiterating the fact uh, we need to be thinking outside the box. And um, so again, whether we can't physically give a hug, what else can we do that's just as meaningful? Yeah. So what are some of those things that, that people can do? Because a lot of, you know, if, if somebody dies, coworkers, friends, they, they want to reach out, they want to support the living. And so what are some ways to do that right now in these strange times we're in? Sure. So um, as I had mentioned, just doing all the things that um, we've done prior in the past um, for a traditional funeral, whether we be there. So picking up the phone, making phone calls, sending a Facebook message, sending a sympathy card um, are all important. Express your love um, in support of that family. And, and it could just be, um, you know, sending a bouquet of flowers to the house that can be delivered. It may be picking up a, a Memorial rock um, and uh, or a yard decor um, or sending a framed photo, um, those types of things. I think being sincere to people, that's what people want during this time is, is to just know that they're there with them. And it, like I said, it looks different, but you know, whether it be a Zoom meeting, um, that they're there to listen. And ultimately at the end of the day, if, if it comes from the heart, I think it's gonna be well-received from, from the family, from the individual. I would agree. I think just that that reaching out and just that connection, just being human and letting somebody talk is such a big part of the grieving process. It is. It is. So, yeah, we're encouraging families to, to continue, um, again, as, as close to this uh, uh, prior to the pandemic. Another difficult piece for people grieving right now, especially, is if they have a loved one who is in a hospital, in a nursing home, and they die at this point in time, a lot of times those people are not allowed to be there with their loved one during those last dying moments, or they're seeing them on a, on a iPhone or on a FaceTime call back and forth. I, I personally could not imagine, you know, my parents is what I think of right away. And I'm like, if my parents were to to pass away now and I couldn't physically be there in those last moments, I would struggle with that personally. I can only imagine that's got to be hard for people. Any advice on that front for people to know that, you know, it's there's no fault of their own. That's nothing they did. And it's okay. 
Raquel, I can't imagine uh, myself being in, in that situation either. As I mentioned before, we do walk a fine line. So we, we need to be um, emotional um, and connected to families. Um, on the other hand, uh, we have a job to do. And so we, we can't sometimes let the, the emotion take over uh, the other side of that line. Um, though I deal with death regularly, I deal with a high emotion. What my thought is, is that, and, and I, in short, I don't have, I don't have anything um, to recommend. As you said, it's no fault of their own. What I would say is that if anyone experienced such a thing, that they would actually seek out, uh, you know, professional help. It just, it's, there are so many other dynamics uh, involved with what you just, you know, what you just stated in that situation that to try and start sorting that out from the grief to the anger to the disappointment to feeling that, you know, they could have done something else. It just, it's um, a really challenging, a really challenging situation that I think a lot of people are going to find themselves in. Again, I, I wouldn't have any uh, more suggestion than, you know, at that point, uh, again, seeking professional help. Because that's such an unnatural part to a natural thing. Typically, you know, death, depending on the circumstances, they're all different. Um, but, you know, families have the opportunity to, to say their goodbyes when a patient is under or a parent is under hospice. They, they, they are able to grieve in a normal way uh, as, as far as being able to see and have family together and those things. So you take all of those elements out of it. And that's where it really becomes uh, a tragedy and it becomes much more difficult than I think we, we could imagine even during a time where we weren't experiencing a pandemic. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, I'm also curious too, because people, I've heard some people say that, you know, if you could have a funeral now or you could have a funeral a couple of months from now and, and the grief is the same. I personally don't, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that statement just because I feel like depending on the way somebody dies can very much impact whether the grief is harder in that moment or if it hits later down the road. And so my first question, it's a two-part question, but my first question for you is just what does that look like? What, um, if somebody is trying to deal with that grief can they have a funeral right now? Can they wait till later? They can do both. As we had mentioned, we do need to find, uh, follow CDC guidelines. So having a, having a, a preacher or a pastor or a priest uh, here at the, the funeral home at the church, we can certainly do that. Again, use the use the Zoom platform or you know whatever is is available to folks. But again, I'm encouraging them to go back down the line and and have a, a formal funeral with the public gathering. And, and there are the two sides to this. When you start putting closure on, on a death, a lot of that closure comes through the funeral process in and of itself. And so people are finding that they started that process. Now, when you pick up three months from now and they decide to have a funeral, I guess I would like to maybe compare it to uh, tearing a Band-Aid off of a scab. We reopen that up again. And now it's a whole other process and we're revisiting that. People at some point want closure and they say, okay, these are the circumstances that we're in, but now it's time for us to start on our, on our journey. And other families say, you know what, we're going to more or less keep this wound open because we need to do it in the traditional sense. 
and that is to have a formal funeral mass, have a funeral, a formal funeral service with our family, our friends, our neighbors present. So again, not for me to decide as a funeral director, it's to give option an opportunity and let them know that it's up to them to make that decision. It's a personal decision. It's a decision amongst their family. However they decide, I will certainly accommodate. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. This is such a difficult topic. This is impacting so many people right now. And to just hear from somebody on what that procedure looks like and how to grieve, I think is really, really going to help a lot of people. So I really can't thank you enough for being here today. Thank you, Raquel. If you're not subscribed to Soul Source yet, what are you waiting for? You can find us on major apps where podcasts are hosted, including Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Go on and give us a review and also subscribe to our show. Share the show with a friend if there's something you like. And if there's something you want us to talk about, just let us know. You can find us on our Facebook page called The Soul Source Society. It's where we interact with listeners, share some special content only seen in that group, talk about shows, get ideas for future podcasts. And overall, honestly, we just have a lot of fun. That's Soul Source Society on Facebook. We hope to see you there. Soul Source is brought to you by Red Shoes Inc., a leading agency specializing in crisis and strategic communications, media relations, social media, and so much more. To learn more about Soul Source and Red Shoes, visit us at redshoesinc.com.